service where we uh, preach and teach the Word of God, which is, again, an important part of, of why we gather in, uh, in His name. We gather for many reasons, uh, but one of the reasons we gather uh, scripturally is to hear the Word of God preached and to respond to it. And so we're going to continue in a series uh, in the book of Acts and uh, that I started several weeks ago. Um, and today, our theme uh, for, the, for the message is is getting in the way, getting in the way. And maybe you've heard the phrase, get out of your own way. Uh, that's been a phrase that's been mentioned. It's kind of more of a, a secular phrase, but it could have a spiritual uh, significance as well, absolutely. And it's a phrase that is used and it's given to us when we do things that actually prove to get in our own way. So when we do things, that kind of get in our own way, that's a phrase that you would use. And, and if you've ever done anything that could be uh, described this way, then, then you, know, you know what I'm talking about, where somebody might say, you know, you're kind of getting in your own way there. Well, interestingly enough, uh, last Sunday, that was a day like, like that for me. Um, I, I wasn't going to mention it last week because I just wasn't actually prepared to do it because I was still kind of frustrated by what happened. But I went out early Sunday morning to, uh, to start my car. It was a cold morning. Remember last Sunday, it was like 15 degrees. Uh, car did not start. Um, and you know, me and cars, right? Um, I was out the night before fiddling with the car. And uh, for another reason, um, I left the keys in the ignition with the keys turned just enough to drain the battery uh, so that I have a nice uh, Sunday morning. Um, and again, you know, you should know if you don't already, uh, we and cars just don't get along and we have a long history. Uh, so I went inside and I told Stephanie and um, she said, well, take Ricky's truck, my, my son-in-law-to-be, his, his, his truck was at, at our house. And um, so uh, I went to take his truck and I started it up and, and I let it warm up because there was ice all over the windshield, you know, again, Northeast PA. And so after letting it run for a few minutes, uh, I went out again to leave for church. And when I tried to open the door, it was locked. <laughs> and I was like, there's just no way that this is happening. And, and you see, you got to understand, this truck has a thing because those are the kind of cars I drive, the kind of that have things. It just locks um, sometimes on its own. And it did that last Sunday. I've driven it numerous times. It's never done that before. But first time it happened to me, and of course it happened on Sunday morning. So there I was, Sunday morning, locked outside a running truck, which by the way, it's in neutral because it's a five-speed. And, um, and now I'm standing out there and I'm looking at my other car in the driveway, which won't start. And I just kind of looked up into the sky and I said, Lord, what is going on? Um, and I was, I was wondering what my neighbors were thinking as I was standing out there kind of <laughs> doing this. And I was like, am I supposed to stay home today? Like, is this, I thought you wanted me to preach this message. Um, and I was incredibly frustrated. I was so frustrated. Car stuff just frustrates me. Uh, I can deal with other stuff better than that kind of stuff. So I went inside and I said, Steph, you're not going to believe this. Um, I'm locked out of the truck too. Um, and it's running. And I said, honestly, my mind is, I just don't even know uh, what to do right now. And she said, well, you know, take, take Mark's car. Because uh, I didn't even know. And I'm like, are you sure you want me to do that? Um, because I didn't want the wheels to fall off on the way 
to church. And honestly, at that point, I was like, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen here, but please, can I get, you know, it's a seven-minute drive. Uh, can, I get, can I get there okay? So I called AAA, a uh, number I've called before. Um, they came to the house. An hour or so later, I was already at the church. They unlocked the truck, so that part all got fixed. But it felt very much like I was getting in my own way. Um, and, and not just getting in the way. Last Sunday for me, when, when I finally got here, I felt like I was kind of building a castle wall in front of me, you know, just like building this thing up that I wasn't going to be able to, to get through. And, 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 and so my question is, you know, have you been there? Have you been in that kind of situation where you're just like getting in the way? You know, you're, you're, you just feel like something, it's not going right and you're getting in your own way. Well, it, interestingly enough, in, in today's text, Peter, he is faced with a, with a difficult situation and, and it's much more difficult than car problems. Obviously, he was faced with a decision and, and the decision that he was faced with is this one. Do I want to get in God's way? And that's a much bigger question much bigger and much, you know, uh, much more impactful than I want to get in my own way or do I want to get in my own way. And we've all been there for sure in that place as believers where we're saying, am I kind of getting in God's way here? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I think this text really brings this out. So let's pray and ask the Lord to lead us as we do that. Lord God, we thank you uh, already for this wonderful time we've had together just uh, thinking and, and, and uh, singing and um, just focusing on you, the cross, your sacrifice, your life, your resurrection, all of these things that are so true, so real, and so meaningful. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. And we ask you, Lord God, to use this time of teaching your word to speak to each and every person. Use me as your instrument for your glory in Jesus' holy name, amen. So last week we finished chapter 10 and the uh, story of Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius and his family and friends believed. We learned that and uh, they were baptized. Peter stayed um, there in Caesarea with them and now we move to chapter 11. And the first thing that we see is that Peter is criticized by believers in Jerusalem. And if you look at verse 1 of uh, Acts chapter 11, it says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. And so after that mountaintop experience of preaching the gospel to unbelievers and seeing them changed, Peter eventually leaves that situation, heads to Jerusalem because he needs to report to the church there. He needs to report to the leaders there, the other apostles that are there. And he needs to tell them what just happened in Caesarea. Because again, as we've been talking about, this is a very big deal. And so what happens? Well, Peter gets there and he's criticized. And he's criticized not by pagans, but by believers. Believers in the Jerusalem church. And, and, and this is kind of the biggest church in the world at this time. You know, like this is the mega church. This is the big, you know, you want, if you're doing anything in Christianity, you need the blessing and want the blessing of the Jerusalem church. Peter knows this. That's why he's going back there to report to them. We can identify with that, right? You know, you, you've, 
you've been in a situation where you felt or knew God was moving and you kind of were on this mountaintop experience, you know, you're, and you're maybe even testifying to it. You're telling a friend or someone else about this great thing that God has done in you or someone else. And instead of maybe getting encouragement, you get criticism. And you're like, oh, that's kind of not what I expected. And it, and it, and it, and it kind of takes the wind out of you. And anybody who's been in, in ministry leadership in, in, in any capacity knows what this, this is like. It happens and it's part of what, what, what you deal with. And this is what's happening to Peter. Something great happens and now he's facing criticism and he's got to work through that. So let's, let's, let's break this down. What was the criticism? Look at verse 3. You went to, the, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. That's, that's the criticism. What, what was Peter thinking? You know, let's, let's break this criticism down again. There, there, there's really two po- uh, points to it. The first one is this. You went into the house of Gentiles. Now, that's essentially what we're talking about here with the uncircumcised is Gentiles. You went into their house, Peter. You know you can't do that. It's against Jewish custom. You made yourself unclean by doing that. And, and you know, they're, they're, they're probably talking more about what happened in Caesarea with, uh, with Peter and the other men and, and with Cornelius. But we remember he was also in, in Joppa and that wasn't a clean situation either. So, so they're upset that he did this. Second, you ate Gentile food with Gentile people. So you not only went into their house, but you ate their food. You had Gentile conversation. You know, Peter, you really messed up here. Well, really, what were you thinking? You know what it means to be a Jewish person. You know, you know what it means to be a Jewish believer, or so, so they thought. Now, I want you to notice real quick what the criticism was not about. And again, Luke doesn't say explicitly this is what it was not about, but we can deduce that by, uh, by what it was about and what he told us uh, they were upset with and what they were not necessarily upset with. But notice that it was not about Peter preaching the gospel to Gentiles. It wasn't about that. It wasn't so much, hey, Peter, you know, you were preaching the gospel to them and you shouldn't have been doing that. No, it was you went in their house and you ate with them. And it wasn't about the Gentiles believing the gospel. You know, it's fine that Peter preached to them. It's fine that they believed. That's great. But what were you doing in their house? Eating with them. You took it you took it to another level, Peter. How could you do that? Now, you, you might say, okay, and, and we need to do this in 2022. We need to be able to look at the first century and kind of say, okay, we don't really understand why that would be such an issue. Well, why was this such an issue for these Jewish believers in Jerusalem that are hearing about this? Well, their issue was, was nuanced, but their issue was that Peter identified himself with these Gentiles, and by doing so, he identified all Jewish believers with them. So, it, yeah, there was, there, in their eyes, there was law-breaking or, or custom-breaking, at least, what, for what they understood that Peter, Peter did. But, but more than that, it was by Peter the apostle doing this, it was reflecting on all of them. So this was kind of a self-righteous grievance. 
They didn't, they didn't want to be associated with those lowly Gentiles. Why would Peter do that himself? And then why would he do that to them? Because by him doing it, it kind of reflects on them and the whole church in, in Jerusalem. But again, how wrong they were and how we tragically do the same thing in our own lives. Now let's look at Peter's response and explanation. We see Peter's entire response and explanation in verses five through 15. I'm not gonna read through that whole thing because a lot of it is the retelling and we've already had this story told a couple of times. What does Peter say? Well, again, he retells the entire story. He doesn't get angry, notice. He doesn't really get defensive. He doesn't get angry or defensive and he doesn't argue with them. He simply says, let me explain to you what happened. You need to hear what happened first, and then hopefully you'll understand. And he starts by telling them about his vision in Joppa. And then, he, and then he says, three men from Caesarea came to see me. And then he makes sure to tell them that the Spirit told him to go with them. Make sure to say that. So I went with them. I went to the home of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. He told me, and then when he got there, Cornelius told him about the vision that he had had. And then I preached the gospel to them. And the Holy Spirit fell on them, and he fell on them in the same way that he fell on all of us at Pentecost. And I explained this similarity to Pentecost in more detail in last week's message. So if you have any questions about that, I encourage you to listen, if you weren't here last week, to help clear that up as to what that means. But now notice verse 14. We learn something here in chapter 11 that that has not been told to us yet. Luke, Luke. Uh, is working us through the story and revealing things at certain times. He quotes, uh, Peter quotes Cornelius and Luke specifically mentions this. And he says in verse 13 and 14, send to Joppa and bring Simon who's called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So Luke is taking time here to specifically quote Peter and to let us know, readers, of something that he has not told us before. And he's making it clear here that God had intended for Peter to speak a message to Cornelius, a gospel message, and that when he did, Cornelius believed and was saved. Peter declared the message, then Cornelius was saved. And it seems to be Luke's point here in telling us here in this part in Acts 11 in the report to the Jerusalem church. Now notice verse 16. We learned something else that we've not been told specifically. And I remembered verse 16, the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter tells us that as all all of this was happening, as he's retelling all of this to, to uh, to the Jerusalem church, as he's telling them, the Holy Spirit brought something to his memory. You know, that ever happened to you where, you know, you're, you're, you're talking and all of a sudden you kind of know that the Spirit has brought something to, uh, to your mind and he remembered something that Jesus said. And, and, and so he says it. He says it to this church. He says, John the Baptist baptized with water. Remember, remember Jesus told us that. But you, the apostles, will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And what's happening is as the Holy Spirit's revealing the word of Jesus... To Peter, Peter's applying that word to his situation and saying, oh, that's what happened here. Peter is, is, is understanding that that is precisely what happened with Cornelius. 
And then all of this leads to Peter's culminating question. And this is really the question that will center around. Let's look at it. Peter's culminating question. If God did all of this, who am I to stand in God's way? Let that, let that question sink in for you. If God did all of this, who am I to stand in God's way? Look at verse 17. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us, that's specifically referencing the Holy Spirit, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I, yes, Peter the apostle, who am I to stand in God's way? That's kind of what he leaves this Jerusalem church. And it's probably the leaders of the church that are there and other apostles. Peter was not concerned here with getting his own way. He didn't want he, he, he to get in God's way. And that is most definitely the greater question. He wasn't so much, I, I, I can't get in my own way. I need to get out of God's way. And, and so here, here's a question that, that I want you to just think about, um, and, and I'll put it on the screen just so you can really visualize it. Who are we to get in the way of what God is doing? I want you to think about that for your life personally, for all of us. Who are we to, to get in the way of what God is doing? Now, we'll break this down a little more as we go along, but I want to kind of plant that question in your mind so let's look at what, what uh, specifically what God was doing. Because Peter said something, right? He said, God did all of this. What did God do? What is he referring to? We, we shouldn't have to make that up. We should know what it is from, from the text. Well, what did God do? God saved and forgave Gentiles. He gave them the spirit. He allowed them to manifest the presence of the spirit. And all of that happened. Here's the key. All of that happened without them becoming or adapting Jewish customs. That's the key to all this. The key isn't just that it happened. This kind of stuff's happened before. But now, it's specifically happening in a way where God is doing this, but you do not need to become Jewish for it to happen. Gentiles could be saved without becoming Jewish. This is specifically what God was doing. This is what God was doing. Again, emphasize that. And Peter was not about to get in the way. Now, let me ask you this question. Had Peter ever stood in the way before? <laughs> well, uh, in case you don't remember, I'm, I was prepared. I'm going to remind you. Uh, remember, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now, does that sound like getting in the way language? Jesus said that to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Jesus said that. So I would say that's a good example of getting in the way of what God was doing. 
Now, here's, here's, here's the amazing part of that whole, we're not going to go and look in, in, into that text, but here's the amazing thing about that. You know what Peter, all he wanted to do, all he was doing in that situation, he didn't want Jesus to die. That's it. He, he was looking out for his friend. He, he loved his friend. He just, he just wanted to, because hey, Jesus said, hey, you know, that, that, uh, uh, the, the chief priests, and, and, and I need to be delivered up to them, and the Son of Man is going to suffer, and the Son of Man is going to die, and Peter's listening to this, and he goes, God forbid. And that's when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. But all he was trying to do was keep Jesus from dying, because he loved him, he cared about him. Also, remember who cut off the ear of the guard when Jesus was being arrested? That was Peter too. What was he doing there? He's trying to help Jesus. Peter's always trying to help Jesus. What did Jesus say then? Peter, put your sword away. Sheathe your sword, essentially. And then he asked them this question. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has for me to drink? Do you know what he's getting at there with that question? Peter, are you standing in the way of the will of God? This is the cup the Father has given to me, and you're trying to stand in the way of it. How many times do we do that? So many times we do this out of good intentions. One of the greatest ways we do this is when we're trying to help people. Because we want to deliver everyone from every situation they're in and and not remember that God has purpose in everything. He may be using that very situation to accomplish that purpose, but here we come like Peter to kind of save the whole situation. And we're actually getting in the way. Now, I, I assume, after just kind of recalling a little Peter's past that he didn't want to do that again. He had those memories and he's like, nope, I'm not doing that again. So let's listen. To, let's, let's see how the believers in, in Jerusalem responded. Verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So, so let's break down their response. They went silent. The, the New American Standard translates that they quieted down. It, it's almost like they're going, can you believe what he's saying? Can you believe what he's saying? I can't believe what he's saying. You know, all this kind of murmuring and talking going on as Peter is saying, and then they just kind of quieted down. The NIV says no further objection. They went silent is how the ESV translates it. And then they glorified God. You know, it's, it's interesting because as, as they are trying to understand what just happened, they're realizing that God is the one doing this and they are not going to get in his way. It started as a disagreement. You know, it started as a difficult congregational meeting at the church in Jerusalem. Had the potential of really getting ugly, but it ended with they glorified God. It ended in unity, glorifying God together. And, and, and this doesn't mean that this issue disappeared. 
for the church. We know that. We can read through the rest of Acts. We can read the book of Galatians. We can see that these things still came up again. But this event here, what we're talking about here in Acts 11, it matters. It set the tone. This is now the direction of the church. The direction of the church from this day forward is... That the the gospel is not only going to all the nations, but as it goes to the nations, do not make the nations become Jewish before they become Christians, before they give their lives to Christ. And that's what's going on here. So what was their God-glorifying conclusion of this church as they heard this. Well, they said, God has granted repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles. It was like they had an epiphany. You know, they were like, wow, I guess, I guess God does do this. I guess God grants repentance and that leads to life to the Gentiles. And they don't need to be Jewish. So yes, repentance, forgiveness, and salvation is available to all. And no one needs to to become or adapt Jewish customs and law in order to do so. You must only in faith, all of you here today, for you to be reconciled to God, you must just trust in the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done as your savior, as your redeemer, as your Lord, and as the king of your life. And this salvation is for you. And we're going to pick up with the text. Can, we're going to keep looking at the text next week. But I want, to, I want to take some time to give us some things to think about. I want to give you a realization to consider. And I think it's a primary one uh, from this text. And here it is. When, you're, when your personal prejudice gets in the way of gospel witness, you're getting in the way of what God is doing. When your personal prejudice gets in the way of gospel witness, you are getting in the way of what God is doing. This may be convicting. I I, I think this is convicting. It's convicting for me. It's convicting for all of us because we all have personal prejudices. We do. And if you think you don't, I I can be here to remind you, you do. Ask someone that knows you really well and they'll let you know if you give them the freedom to do so without getting mad at them for the next week. But we all have them. And as your pastor, I want to say this, uh, I really do, I want to say this with humility. And I say, when I say humility, I mean that it's, it's not because I've mastered this. It's not. It's because this is the word of God and I want to deliver it for, for what it is. But that doesn't mean that I, have, I, I don't have areas that I need to grow in this as well. But I also want to deliver it to you with love. Too many times we allow our personal prejudices to get in the way of what God is seeking to do. Too many times. God was bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. You know that? No matter what Peter did. If Peter went along with it, fine. He would be blessed as a result. You know, this could have been a very different story. If in Acts chapter 10, we read and then vision, you know, Peter had a vision. He was in Joppa and he said, oh boy, that was just bad food I had yesterday. I'm going to go downstairs, have some lunch. I'm not going anywhere. Right? It's a different story. But, but he responded. But even if he did resist, God was doing it anyway. 
God is sovereign. And, 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 and we need to remember that. And God is unstoppable. Can you say amen to that? Like God is unstoppable. And, 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 if, that, and if, there's a, if there's a hesitancy in you to, to, to amen that or to say that, uh, I want to I ask you to kind of just go before God and ask him why that is. Because God is going to do what he plans to do. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get in the way. See, this is where there's tension. We can get in the way, but he's unstoppable. And we can get in the way, and we do get in the way. And our attitude should never be to get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. Our attitude should never be that, to, uh, you know, I'm just going to do what I want. We don't want to get in the way of what God is doing in our lives. We don't want to get in the way of what God is doing in our loved one's lives either. I think sometimes we have the, that's the biggest struggle is we, we, this is, it's sometimes easier to let God do what he's doing in our life, but in our loved ones, we want to almost be redeemer, savior, and we need to remember he is that, not us. We want to do that also in the world around us. And, the, and, and so in every one of these, we, we've got to do what God says and not get in his way. And I, and I mentioned their personal prejudices because if you have personal prejudices against groups of people, for whatever reason that they are there, you need to realize something. It's not just a personal issue. It's not just a personal sin issue. It, it is a personal sin issue, but it's not just that. It's more than that. That, that issue could be standing in the way of what God is seeking to do. That's what we need to understand. You see, we need to understand that this is not just something, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I know I have this issue with some people, but, you know, I'm working on it, and I'm not really sure, you know, just how much time I'm going to give to it, and we almost act like it's just our issue. But what this text tells us is that issue can get in the way of what our God is seeking to do. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to do it because he's unstoppable and sovereign, but that's not the, that's not the part we want to play, Right? You don't get up every day and go, okay, let me see how many times I can get in your way today, God. Right? I mean, I hope not. I hope you get up and you say, God, how can I, how can I submit myself to what it is that you want to do? You know, I, I, when I was thinking about this, it's hard not to think about our, our food pantry ministry because it gives us the opportunity to minister to all kinds of people, all kinds of people, people who have less than us uh, for, for, for sure, people who are maybe not as educated, people who speak maybe a completely different language. We certainly have a lot of Spanish-speaking people coming, and they don't know English, and so they don't have that down. But we need, as a church, we know that every one of them are loved and cherished by God. And if we treat them different, if we love them differently, if we put ourselves here and them here, we're not only sinning, we are sinning. We're also getting in the way of what God wants to do in their life. And that's a bigger problem because we don't want to do that. And if you want the opportunity to serve others in a humble way, maybe, maybe you say, you know, I, I kind of need that, Pastor. I kind of need that. Experience of even just working with people like that, I encourage you to talk to Pastor Tim about 
serving in the food pantry because it'll put you in, uh, in humbling situations. And I want to thank all of you who serve so faithfully and pray with them and minister to them and doing so out of your love for Christ. Not because you're getting rewarded then, because many times you're not getting rewarded then. You're actually getting some flack from, from some of them. But that's not, that's not why you're there. You're there to do it for the Lord's sake. We also have a great need for those who can speak Spanish. If you can speak Spanish and you're willing to love people the way God loves them, I encourage you to, again, let Pastor Tim know, and we'd love to get, give you an opportunity to serve others. But when we allow our personal prejudices to get in the way of our gospel witness, we need to remember that we're getting in the way of what God is doing or seeking to do. And we need to remember what we learned last week. Our God is not partial. And, and sadly, those prejudices can really be varied uh, we're just really good at finding new ways to be prejudiced against people because there's social, there's political, there's racial, there's uh, economical, there's theological even. You know, you believe this, then I put you here. You believe this, then you're down there. And it's like, we're just, we're always putting people in these categories and none of those things should get in the way of ministering to others in the way that God has called us to. And if we do, if we let those things get in the way, we get in the way of what he's doing. Let me give you some, uh, I want to give you two ways, because uh, that's all I have time for, uh, to get in the way, uh, two ways that we get in the way of what God is doing. Um, and and these, are, these kind of will give you, I think, an example to help you understand better if maybe this is happening um, in your life. First one is this, when we avoid doing the hard and right thing in God's eyes in order to please people and to avoid their criticism. When we, when we avoid doing the hard thing or the right thing in God's eyes in order to please people and to avoid their criticism, we will find ourselves getting in the way of what God is doing. Because many times what God is doing requires us to do the hard, right thing. And did you notice that in this story, that's what Peter did, right? Peter did the right thing. It was hard, and he got criticized for it. If his whole goal was, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'll do everything I can just not to get criticized, he wouldn't have done the hard, right thing. He got called out by his peers, his friends, other apostles for eating and hanging out with Gentiles. And what he did was right, and it was hard, and he was criticized for it. But because he was willing to do it, he did not stand in the way of what God was doing. In order to avoid getting in the way of what God is doing, we need to do what is right, especially when it's hard. Did you get that? We need to do what's, what's right, especially when it's hard. And I think one of the biggest problems that we have with our very woke culture today is that it teaches everyone to avoid doing anything hard or difficult at all costs. If it's hard, if it's difficult, if it causes you any kind of, of strain, don't do it. But we must remember that Christ calls us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow him daily. And that is not a message of avoid anything hard or difficult, right? That's a message of get up in the morning and realize that we're in a battle. We are. That's how the scripture def uh, you know, defines it and, 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 and shows it. We certainly see that in Ephesians 6. 
this language of, of this battle going on around us, we need to be prepared as Christians to do the right thing, and many times it's the hard thing. So do not seek the praise of people above all, or you're going to find yourself getting in the way of what God is doing, because many times what he is doing is going to require us to do the hard thing. And second, when we elevate our plans over God's plans, we get in his way. When we elevate our plans over God's plans. That was Peter's problem in Matthew 16. When Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, Peter's plan did not include Jesus going to Jerusalem, getting arrested, getting beaten, getting crucified, and dying. So he stood in the way. And Jesus called him out for it. And he did, the same, he did the same thing the night he was betrayed. He was trying to have his plan, not God's. And if your goal is to convince God to go along with all of your plans, you're going to find yourself getting in his way. It's inevitable. That's not, that's not what, we're, what we're doing. If your prayer life is, consists of, here, God, here's my plan. Would you please go along with it? I, I encourage you to really take a look at how you pray. Or is, is, is your prayer life a prayer life where you submit yourself to God's way, God's plans, God's will, and that you, are, you wake up every day and you say, I'm his instrument. How do you want to use me, Lord, today to do the things that you want to do? That's, that, that's what he's asking of us. We must submit our lives to God's plans and God's ways. That's the only way to ensure we're not getting in the way of what he's doing. So I started by telling you about what it looks like when someone gets in their own way, like I did last week. And that may happen to all of us on occasion, but getting in the way of what God is doing, that is serious business. We don't want to do that. We must all be committed to not allowing ourselves to get in the way of what the, of, of what the sovereign God of the universe is seeking to do. He's going to do it anyway. Don't you want to be the servant that's, that's being used in a way to accomplish his purpose and his plan? Not the servant that has to get moved out of the way so he can do what he needs to do. So instead of getting in his way, let's all seek to be used God's way. Instead of getting in his way, let's all seek to be used God's way. It's a very different kind of prayer. Instead of getting up in the morning and saying, okay, Lord, here's all the things that I want. Uh, would you please, uh, th- would, you, would you make this happen? Would you make this happen? This is what's going on in my job. Please make sure that this goes uh, better than it's going right now. Um, please make sure that this happens this way. Please make sure that this happens this way. And God's just kind of up there taking notes and going, okay, 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 right? That's... And, and, and instead, it might be, Lord, things are really rough right now in my job. I don't know why. I believe that's where you have me. And if you want me there and these things are going to go on, would you please give me strength to accomplish your will and your purpose? It's so different. 
It's so different. And this is the way that God wants us. It, doesn't, it could be work. It could be any other thing. It could be our financial situation. It could be so many other things. Instead of God changed this, it's more like, God, you know what's going on. You know my heart. I don't know what you're doing, but I just, I just want to submit. Help me because I'm having a hard time doing that, whatever that might be. Instead of getting in his way, let's all seek to be used God's way. Our attitude in those situations is to just simply submit to his perfect will. So let's all seek to do that in our lives. I'm gonna ask you to just bow uh, in prayer. We're, we're, we wanna continue uh, in, a, in our service and give you a time to just think and reflect on these things. This is not, uh, a, a, a t- let this time be a time where God is able to now take this word and, and, and just root it firmly in your heart and your mind. And even as we sing, let the time of singing be that for you. Discipline yourself. This is again what we're talking about with that doing the hard right thing. This is not the time where you say transition into, okay, everything else I'm doing this afternoon, but know God by, by give me the dis- discipline to be able to take what it is that you've, that you've had for me now and during this time of, of even singing and worship that I could respond as you want me to. Help us to do that, Lord God. Help us to do the things we need to to submit our lives to you in everything. We pray, help us, Lord. In Jesus' name.